welcome to the Refuge Church Podcast, where we long to see the lost saved, the saved transformed, and the transformed sent. For more information on how you can be a part of Refuge Church, join us on Sunday mornings in Jacksonville at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. Or visit our website at refugejackschurch.com. In this week's podcast, we are continuing our sermon series through Acts. Thank you for listening. God, we love you and we pray that you would be um, and glorified by our time together. God, as we open your word now, God, would your word speak clearly to us? How, God, would you edify us? Would you exalt your son, Lord Jesus? God, would you um, and humble us where sin is, is, is kind of reigning and kind of rising in, in our hearts, Lord? Uh, and church, would you just pause for a minute? Uh, don't know what you walked in with. Don't know what you're wrestling with today, all of you. But maybe you just take a moment and just ask the Lord to meet you here. Maybe ask the Lord to speak specifically to you. Maybe confess you struggled this week. This is man, man, part of the reason we named this church the Refuge Church is because when the Lord is a shelter and a shield and a refuge in times of need, and there are times we need to go to him and go, I don't even know what to say, Lord. Could you just be near? If that's your prayer today, then make that your prayer quietly in your heart. God, would you draw us to you? And God, would you bless our study of the book of Acts? God, we need you and we love you. Amen. Uh, So Acts is a long book. Uh, We're going to jump in this fall, do a few chapters, take a break, do a few chapters in the spring. That's kind of how we're going to approach it, a little different than uh, maybe normal. Acts is the narrative of, of people coming together who have experienced redemption in Christ. It is their collective realization of what the Lord has done. So one of the things that Acts is going to do is allow us together to celebrate our Redeemer. And then it's also the heralding of the good news of the sharing away men out of peril, destruction, this fallen world. So as we study this this book together, what I want to do, and you can write Isaiah 43 in your journal somewhere, okay? Um, But I'd love for you to return to this passage often because Isaiah 43 kind of paints a picture um, of a couple things. Uh, Number one, that, that God has redeemed us. We didn't redeem ourselves. We didn't earn anything, but God has redeemed us. Jonah 2, 9 states that salvation belongs to the Lord. We want to start our study of Acts there. The second thing that Isaiah 43 reminds us of is that he has brought us together. You may think that you chose to be here and that you drove yourself here, and while some of that's true, ultimately, when the Spirit of God was at work in bringing you to Refuge Church, and we're going to see that God does that, and then also we're going to see that the church is a powerful demonstration and should be of our Redeemer, Jesus. So the the church is a witness of his redemption. So what I want to do is read the first 25 verses of Isaiah, pausing here and there, Isaiah 43, pausing here and there as kind of a uh, forward uh, to our study of Acts. I'd love for you to to write Isaiah 43 down. If you don't have um, a a Bible, there's a black one near you, um, and you can turn there if you don't have a Bible, and you can even keep that one. But again, I want Isaiah 43 to be a forward. We're going to return to it and kind of through this study to be reminded of this. So um, as I was talking to Beth about Acts, and we talked a lot about it, she reminded me that everybody loves a good origin story. It's why Disney Plus is rolling out all the Avenger backstories, and we kind of get all excited about that. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But we, we love the origin. And what I would tell you is this. I mean, the church was God's plan way long ago, from the beginning. Has all, this has always been the plan, to bring those together who have been redeemed to celebrate their redemption. This is not new. Jesus didn't go, you know what's a good idea? 
But, man, but and we're going to hear in this that, that Jesus redeems and then he draws those together who have been redeemed. So look at Isaiah 43 with me. Uh, verse 1 says, But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, he who formed you, he who redeemed you, fear not. I have called you by name. You are mine. And he starts off with this reminder that we have been redeemed, that you have been bought with a price, that God came in flesh as Jesus and took your place and my place because of our sin, because we could not earn it. Redemption is the fact that I couldn't buy my own salvation. I couldn't be good enough. Jesus did it for me. And not only does he, did, did, it do, did he do it for me, he continues to hold on to my salvation in ways that I cannot. My redemption is that he did it, and now I celebrate what he has done. I surrender my life. He's Lord, I am not. But not only has he redeemed us, but there's some intimacy here that's really important. He says, I have called you by name. We, I know you. You know that thing we're at, we're at church now, where people walk up and you're like, I know that face, but I don't know that name. Everybody doing that game yet? Anybody doing that? Hey, guy, like that thing? Okay. So, so, so listen, like God never does that with us. I've called you by name. I know you. When you pass, listen to the comfort of being known by God. When you pass through waters, I will be with you. And the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Why? For I... And the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Look at verse 4. Man, don't miss verse 4. Just incredible verse. Because you are precious in my eyes, and you are honored. And, and look at, listen. And I love you. Did you hear what God says about you? You are precious in my eyes. Like we hold a newborn baby, we think precious, but no one holds a 41-year-old grown man and goes, it's kind of precious. Like That's weird, right? But Jesus sees us, this, this intimate love he has for us. And then he says, I love you. Do you know that interaction? I think this is more of a guy thing, but if girls do it, I'd love to know, um, where as the, as the Christian kind of male friendship begins to kind of blossom and you begin to like really get to know each other and you really kind of start to get close, start to share your struggles and those kind of things and what's going on in your life. One, at one point, one of the guys goes, love you bro. And the other guy goes, oh, right. We, we know that moment, right? Okay. So listen, that's one of my favorite moments in all of life. I love to watch it happen, hate when it happens to me. But most importantly, when we read this, oftentimes this is how we think the relationship with God and we are, that God's going, I love you. And we're like, oh. or that we're going, God, I love you. And he's going, oh, but that's not the case. He's saying you're precious and you're honored. And I love you. And remember, he already told you he knows you. So not only does he love you, but he knows you. He knows everything about you, and he still loves you. This is Romans 5, right? we got to keep going. Verse 5, therefore, fear not, for I am with you. And then there's a shift from you to we. You begin to see that, that God is a drawing God, how he's bringing the redeemed near. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and I made, bring out people who are blind, yet have eyes, who are deaf, yet have ears. All the nations gather together. That's a beautiful phrase. This is the picture of the church. 
and the peoples assemble. Who among them can declare this and show us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses to prove them right and let them hear and say it is true. You are my witnesses, he says in verse 10. That word witness, we're going to read about this in a few minutes. It means that you're going to live sent. You live sent with the knowledge man, and the desire to share with others that there is a redeeming God. But you are my witnesses, declared the Lord, my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no good was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I am the Lord. Besides me there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed. And there was, when there was there a strange God among you, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. And henceforth I am he, and there is none who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who can turn it back? Thus says, ready, the Lord, look what it says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. So you can turn to Acts now. We'll, we'll kind of pause there for Isaiah for today. And we'll go back to it throughout the series. But what, what, I, what I want you to see is, is God is fond of you. He likes you. He doesn't have to love you. He chooses to love you. He calls you precious. And so we read that, and it's so important because he says that to you, and then he says that to we together. We read Isaiah 43, and we were reminded that God redeemed us. He did the work. He died on the cross in my place. We read that. We read that God has always wanted to bring his people together, that the church has always been God's plan. And then we read that the church, people together, is a powerful demonstration of our Redeemer Jesus. And so what we're going to do over the next, man, probably 10 weeks or so is starting today, we're, we're going to take the first five weeks and after we get through the ascension today, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Like we don't do this a lot in church because people get weird and they use the word ghost and we're like, ah. So we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit unites us, empowers us. We're going to talk about the fact that, man, when we really begin to live spirit-filled lives, that there's power in that. And so the next several weeks, we're going to do that. And then in October, I think what's going to be some of our favorite weeks, we're going to talk about the testimony of the church. We're going to talk about how early on the testimony of the church was to platform Christ and Christ crucified. And yet the reality is what you know and what I know about the church is that the church doesn't always do a great job of that. Man, man I would argue that, that so much of church hurt and pain and trauma and even deconstruction has come from the fact that churches and pastors have platformed themselves above Christ. And so we want to circle back and read Acts and say the testimony of the church is we platform Christ, that our platform doesn't matter. That in the end, look at me, we don't make a name for ourselves because when we do, we fail, we fall, and it's ugly. But we make a name for Christ. So buckle up. That should be pretty fun October. So here's what I want to do. I want to take Acts chapter 1 and kind of walk through those 11 verses uh, to give us a, a starting place of the book of Acts. So suppose for a minute that Jesus manifested himself in this room today. What questions would you ask him? Remember when you were a child and you thought that question and somebody would ask and you were young and you would say, what happened to the dinosaurs? Or why is the sky blue? Or why did you make mosquitoes, snakes, the Florida gators? Like, why did you make these things, God? And today, if Jesus was here, what would you ask? See, we have, a, we have a record of what, we have a record of the last question Jesus was asked and his last answer and instructions. And I want you to think for a minute, man, several years ago now, a man I knew dearly uh, at a church we served in uh, was dying of brain cancer. 
He had three children, and he wanted to leave a message for each of them. And we sat at a restaurant for about two hours, and he told me, he said, I'm going to stare in my video on my phone. I'm going to have a message for each one of my kids that they can have for the rest of their lives. And he was trying to make a list of what he wanted to say. It was just this powerful, man, man, sobering moment. This is the same kind of moment that's happening. Jesus is going to leave them with, hey, man, if we begin to think, what is Jesus? If he could say anything, what would he say? Read your Bible more, be a better person, stop cussing. Like, what would he say? And we're actually going to hear what he would say. And it's going to be framed like this. The disciples are going to say, hey, are you going to become king now? And he's going to say, that's none of your business. Your business is different than that. Your business is to be my witness, empowered by the Spirit. So look at verse 1 of chapter 1 with me. So in my first book, in the first book, O Theophilus, the first book is Luke. So in your journal, you want to write some notes that this is a continuation. We studied Luke. We started last fall. We concluded around Easter. This is a continuation. So, so there's a break, but this is the same author writing to the same person saying, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about what I've seen, eyewitness, what I've heard, what I've experienced, so that you can have assurance and so that you can have certainty about this Christ. So Luke is writing again, and he's saying this, Theophilus, this is not a dream. This is not an idea. This is not some wild imaginings that there's this Jesus really lived, he really died, and he really resurrected. And as we're going to read today, he really ascended into heaven where he awaits the appointed time to return and dwell together with his church. You look at verse 2, until that day he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3 is incredibly significant. First four words. Look at, look at these words. He presented himself alive. He presented himself alive. Man, if you want to write in that journal, you can circle that word alive or that phrase. Because that's pretty miraculous and we don't need to just blow by it. Jesus, the one who we all saw die on a cross, and who was dead and buried for three days, presented himself alive. That's, you have to do something with that. If you meet someone who's been dead for three days and then they show back up, you've got to be like, that's not how that's supposed to go. He presented himself alive. That's miraculous. That's incredible. And if we could be real honest, like it's kind of creepy that that could even happen. He presented himself alive to them. After his suffering, it's interesting that it says his suffering, because I would argue that should also, you could also say for our suffering, like it should be our suffering that he did it for. By many proofs, appearing to them for 40 days, and he was speaking about the kingdom of God. That's my favorite part, because if I ever die and come back three days later, you're not going to hear about the kingdom of God. You're going to hear about how awesome I am that I came back three days later. You think that would be a message that he would want to share, but instead he wants the church to know and his people to know about the kingdom of God. This is what makes him different than you and I in so many ways. Jesus, the lowly carpenter of Nazareth, really lived. And this same Jesus really ministered, really served, really did good. And this same Jesus really taught things that even benefit our lives today. He was arrested, sentenced, tortured, illegally unfounded as a man who was not guilty, who never sinned. He really died giving up his life for me. And he really rose from the dead and appeared to witnesses. It is impossible to deny historically the Christ, the question, as C.S. Lewis put it, that we have to answer, is Jesus a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or he's the Lord. And if he is Lord, then we become his witnesses on earth. Verse 4, 
And while staying, staying with them, he ordered them not to depart for Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. So Jesus orders him, don't leave. And the Holy Spirit's coming, verse 5. For John baptized with water, but you will baptize with the Holy Spirit. All caps, right? Not many days from now. And the believers, they were about to meet the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. So when they had come together... They asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They still didn't get it. They were saying, hey, Jesus, are you going to go get revenge and become king? Hey, are you going to go take out all those Romans who just killed you and establish yourself as king? They, they still didn't get it. They were waiting for Jesus to become a military general and take over. They had the right, man, they had the right idea, let's make him king, but it goes about it the wrong way. It's so interesting, is it not, that these disciples spent so much time with Jesus physically, and they still were so clueless in so many areas. And they didn't see, man, how if we're not careful, our own instincts and desires man, can be the very opposite and are the very opposite of God's. Verse 7, so they ask, are you ready to be king? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority which is a really nice way of saying, that's none of your business. It's what he says to them. He looks, they say, hey, are you ready to be king and take over? He says, that's none of your business. I would actually, if you have your journal, I would write next to that verse, none of my business. We get infatuated with these ideas of his return and when and how and when the moon's going to be a certain color and there's certain numbers on the clock. Like that's like, you know, Y2K, Jesus is coming back. He didn't. Like we get so infatuated that we miss the mission. So he's going to say that's not the point. The passage, this passage, this verse is the Lord refocusing the church on what's important, on what matters. Jesus is giving his marching orders to the church. It's none of your business and mine when the kingdom will be consummated. That is in the Father's hands and under the Father's authority, and that is the best place for it to be. Men, all times and all seasons have been fixed by God. I don't know what you walked through today, you came in today experiencing, what you battled this week, but I will tell you that all times, this verse tells us, and all seasons have been fixed by God. He's not unaware of what you walked through this week. He's not unaware of what you walked through, and he's not unaware of what you're going to walk through. He's not even unaware of what you're praying will take place, and he's not ready for it to take place yet. And that can be really hard. But God fixes and appoints times and seasons in his sovereignty. So if that's none of our business, then verse 8 is our business. So you can write next to verse 8, this is my business. So Jesus says, that's none of your business. And verse 8, he says, this is your business. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in four places, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, it's not your business to know what God's plan is for this all to come to fruition. What your business is is to be my witness to everywhere and to every person. He's saying, your chief concern in life is those who have been redeemed, is to be a spirit-filled witness of our Redeemer. The mission of the church, the reason we exist, is to bear witness to Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. That word witness, when he says, you will be my witnesses, means to live sent. 
It means to live sin. It also means martyr, which we'll get into. It's really interesting. These are the two ideas. But to live sin. We talk about that all the time here, that we are called to live. When we leave the service, you are sent. We're saying you've been redeemed, then you're a witness. Now go be that witness. And when somebody cuts you off in traffic, be that witness. Somebody in front of you wants coffee, and you hear them having a hard time, or they can't afford it. Man, you buy it because you're a witness of that who can redeem all things, right? You see your neighbor losing his mind in the yard. You see a struggle in marriage. You see a coworker struggling. You see someone lost. You go, I know the Redeemer. I'm a witness. I get to step into that space. This is what it means to live sin. This is how we are to live, open-handedly going, I am a witness. This is what he's saying. But it's really interesting because he says you're to be a witness in power. He says there's some power that comes with that. And if I can be real honest, most people I talk to have never shared their faith who are believers. And those who have just feel really like not able, incompetent, like just insecure in doing so. But Jesus is going to say, but you should do it in power. That word power is where we get the word dynamite from. I think the thing we need to see is this. Our witness isn't supposed to be meek, sad, apologetic, or fledgling. It's to be powerful. And every time we do it in our own strength, it's meek, it's sad, it's weak, and it's powerless. But when we are willing to allow the Spirit of God to work through us, there is power. What he's saying with power is this. Where you lack ability, the Holy Spirit has power. Let's say that in a place that hits home. Where you lack the words or the courage, the Holy Spirit has power. Because most of the time, we stand there in that moment where we feel that urging, and we're like, uh, what happens if they think I'm a weirdo? They probably will. Lord, I have nothing to say that saves that could save them. You know what? That's the truest statement you could ever make. There are no words in that moment that can save anyone. But the Holy Spirit has the power in that moment to save anyone. And that idea of power or dynamite there means miraculous power, meaning the impossible can be done when God is present. That idea is that there's some force, some movement, that salvation, transformation, and people sent can happen because of what God is doing. Listen, when you write this down, you are not powerful. The Holy Spirit in you is powerful and empowers you as a witness of Christ. You are weak. I am weak. I wake up every Sunday morning feeling like I am not worthy to preach. I don't have what I need to say. Lord, would you give me your words? And we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. The mission of the church, hear me, absent of the Holy Spirit, is one of the ugliest, saddest, most damaging actions against the church one can take. And to be on mission, we must have the Holy Spirit in us. Now, following this Sunday, the next four, we're going to talk about what that means. But ultimately, it means this. It means you have to place faith in Christ. No one, to have the Holy Spirit residing in us, a part of our life, we must know Christ. If we don't know Christ, there is no Holy Spirit. So I would tell you today, be saved so that you can know the Holy Spirit. To be on mission, we must be full of the Holy Spirit. Not perfect not trying harder, which is what we tend to do, but seeking the Lord, submitting and seeking. And it's interesting, when we find our place, find ourselves at a place where the Spirit, man, is alive in our, in our lives, these are where the fruits of the Spirit become obvious. we got to press on. Another idea of witness is that we would be a witness in living and in suffering. So in life, but also in suffering. So I'm a witness in life. People begin to know me. They know where I go to church. They know how I drive, where I drive. They know the rhythms of my people around me begin to see these things. And my life 
is really the answer to, am I a witness to the Redeemer? Being a witness in living and in suffering. People see me and they can ask the question without asking, is he a witness of Christ? Is he representing Christ? Man, in the same way, our suffering is a witness of Christ. And the church will suffer as a witness. When things are good, people don't care what you have to say. But you begin to suffer, and people are going to start asking you, what keeps you going? If you know Bernie and Darlene and haven't had a conversation, call them. You're going to call to encourage them, and you're going to get off the phone encouraged. Because they're walking in probably their hard, one of their hardest seasons of life. And if you get on the phone with them, they're trying to encourage you. Because in the middle of their suffering, you want to know what keeps them going? The fact that they've been redeemed, and they know their Redeemer. And they are witnesses of that. Like, if you've been around Darlene, she'll say this. Well, I had to go to the hospital this week. And you'll say, why? Her first answer half the time is, well, because the Lord had somebody for me to talk to. Not, I had something wrong with me, which is probably how I would start that conversation. And being a witness for Christ is going to include suffering. You've experienced something in Christ. Now you have a story to tell. Verse 8, the end of it says, you'll be my witnesses. And he gives four locations. He says, Jerusalem, Judea. Samaria, and the ends of the earth. This is incredibly important for you to identify your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, I mean, your ends of the earth. When he's saying Jerusalem, he's saying your home. He's saying where you live. He's saying, well, who is there? Who's your neighbor? Are you praying for them by name? Who are the new neighbors that are going to be moving in when the house sells? Are you praying for them by name? Who are the children in your neighborhood, the barista you interact with, the co-workers you're around? And that's your home. And then he expands that circle to say Judea. Judea would be just kind of right outside the city of Jerusalem. And so he says, so a step outside of your home, man, who do you need to be a witness to? And then Samaria would be a step outside of Judea. And so he'd ask, who do you need to be a witness to? That eventually it would take you to the ends of the earth. Jesus commands, Jesus' command here is to move men out of the center in concentric circles. So we draw a circle so, so I would tell you, I mean, draw a circle of 10 miles around your house, five miles, one mile around your house, and say, am I being a witness here? How can I be a more effective witness here? Man, and then draw the next circle and the next. And the questions we have to ask then are, has all of Ortega, where God has placed Refuge Church, heard the gospel? We know the answer to this, right? Man, you should write this down. Man, have all, uh, has all of Ortega heard the gospel? No, they have not. We have work to do here. Has all of our zip code, 32210, that's the church's zip code. And have they heard the gospel? No, then we have work to do here. Has all of Jacksonville? No. Has all of Florida have the ends of the earth? Can I tell you, this is why we've talked from the beginning about go, not grow, and about planting churches. And while we will eventually plant a church just a few miles from us, because this is the biblical way to do this. Listen to me, church. Have you been redeemed? Have you, has your life been redeemed by Christ? If so, you will want others to know the Redeemer, and that's what it means to be a witness. It means there's something always stirring inside of you when you're around someone that you're not sure if they've been redeemed. Man, we say in our values that members are missionaries, that missionaries aren't superheroes, that you are a missionary. Man, man are you living that out? Look at verse 9. Let's finish up. And when he said these things, as he was looking on, he was lifted up, and the cloud took him out of his sight. So he's gone. Jesus has, has zipped up into the heavens. I mean, it's kind of a weird verse. Verse 10, as we all would do, while they were gazing into heaven, 
behold, two men stood by them in white robes. So, so you get the picture, right? Jesus has given this command, and then he just kind of ascends, and he's gone from their sight. And, he, and, and they do, the disciples, the 11 that are left, all do what we would do. We just, what, what just happened? And so these, these men in white say, why do you, verse 11, stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up into heaven will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. I mean, that, that, that question, why do you stand looking into heaven, is a, is a question we should wrestle. Why, why, am I, why am I not being a witness? Why do I stand looking when I've already been made a witness? John Calvin said, it is the task of the visible church to make the invisible kingdom of Christ visible. Uh, and you've heard this, and so let's, let's just do this. It's really important. I'm not the first person to ever say this. This is not original to me, but it's really important. There's this uh, famous quote where this, this uh, theologian said, uh, preach the gospel at, at all times, and if necessary, use words. Who's heard that quote before? Listen, like really important, and I'm not the first person to ever say this. That's the dumbest, worst thing we should ever say. To hear about Jesus, we have to use words. You can show people and be kind to people all day long, but until you're ready to go, can I tell you about the one who redeemed me? Look at me. All that kindness won't matter. So, so let me conclude with a couple things. The mission of the church is to be a witness of Christ, period. The mission of the church is to be a witness of Christ. When people drive by Refuge Church, when people know you go here, when you wear your Refuge shirt in public, man, is it, is it a witness of Christ? The power of mission comes through the Holy Spirit. The power of the mission comes through the Holy Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit is absent in ministry, there is only failure and death. And let me conclude with this. Uh, many years ago, John Piper issued this, this statement. He said, all ministry and all mission are supernatural. And what he was implying is that any ministry or any mission that we endeavor in that is not supernatural, that is not relying fully on the Holy Spirit to do something, is not a ministry or a mission. It's just action. And for us to, to see any ministry or mission take place, it has to be supernatural, allowing the Holy Spirit to be the one who does the work. And we give praise and honor back to the one who did the work because we can't and we didn't. So, man, we're, we're going to journey through Acts together as a church. And I promise you this. Man, if you're willing to dig in as we go through this, I promise you're going to be formed and shaped in some really encouraging and healthy ways. And I pray you would journey along with us. I'd encourage you this week to read chapters 12, or excuse me, not chapters, read the, the rest of this section. I think it would continue to encourage you to walk through uh, the book of Acts together as a church. God, we love you. And we're so grateful, uh, ultimately, that you have redeemed us. You chose us, you saved us, and you have redeemed us. Lord, if we walked in today having trouble believing that, would you help us to believe that today? That we were really dead, we were really lost, and you really saved us. I think that's one of the greatest things we can remember every Sunday when we come to church. That Jesus really loves me, and he really died for me, and I was really lost. Man, if there's somebody in here and you just don't, you don't know this Jesus I'm referring to and you'd like to have a relationship man, with this Jesus, place faith. After the service, myself and one of our elders, Donnie, will be up front. We would love to talk with you, pray with you about that decision. Lord, would you draw us to you? God, would you help us to be faithful witnesses of what you've entrusted to us, that we have been redeemed and we have knowledge of the Redeemer. God, we need you and we love you. Thank you for tuning
tuning in to the Refuge Church Podcast. For more sermons or to learn how you can give to Refuge, check out our website at refugejackschurch.com. For those who have heard the gospel and believe the gospel, go out living the gospel. You are sent. Thank you.